Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Thursday, August the 3rd, 2023, at 2.56 p.m. Central Time. Today's focus, when anxiety attacks. When anxiety attacks. Now, that's not my title. (laughs) No, no, that's not my title. That title comes from a sermon that we are going to be taking apart probably over the next few days. We're going to do this a little differently. Typically, when I do a sermon review, we do kind of a marathon episode where I kind of go for like an hour and a half and try to finish the entire thing. This is like a 45-minute sermon So that would be probably a two-hour broadcast easy. So I'm just going to break this into smaller segments. I know it's probably not going to flow very good, and it's going to be kind of clunky and kind of weird uh, and probably not flow as well as I would like. But in a roundabout way, this entire situation that led us to this sermon review, it's been kind of clunky and hasn't really uh, flowed very well. So it's just going to fit the overall vibe. It's going to, it's going to fit the overall dynamic that's kind of just happened. Uh, unfortunately, it's kind of went down this way. I, I don't really know why or what caused it. It just sometimes things flow and sometimes they don't. And this has never been able, I don't feel like I've ever been able to get my footing here on this. This is all started. It was, it was very simple. We were doing a sermon review on a sermon on Jeremiah 13. All right, that seems harmless enough. Now, for me, Jeremiah 13 is about all of these object lessons. The sermon we were reviewing kind of decided to take a more practical approach and focus on the subject of pride. And I was like, you know what? That's a good subject to discuss because obviously God hates pride, if I can speak correctly. God hates a proud look. He hates pride. God resists the pride, the prideful. He gives grace to the humble. Those types of, of verses I'm kind of paraphrasing there. So I'm like, okay, this is a good subject. So I almost arrived at church the next day and said, hey, I know we're studying Jeremiah. Let's take a little detour and study pride. Let's look about being prideful. Let's look about being proud and, and, the, and the dangers of pride and why God hates pride and how maybe pride was manifested in the life and the, and the history of Judah and Israel. And we read about it in the book of Jeremiah or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All these different ways I was going to approach it. Instead, I just pushed on in Jeremiah 13, and then we uh, we went ahead and pressed on Jeremiah 14, 15, 16, and 17. And so I was like, okay, but maybe I can do something with this question of pride. And I just started thinking about it. Then my daughter sent me a TikTok video. The TikTok video was of Pastor Stephen Furtick from Elevation Church. And in the video, he said that God had told him dogmatic declaration, supposedly due to divine revelation, God told him the cause of your anxiety is pride. What leads to anxiety is pride. So we kind of started doing a few today's focus episodes where I was going to talk about anxiety and pride, pride and anxiety. And we, we kind of went back and forth. We started looking at a few things about anxiety. We use the, if I have it right here, almost dropped it a second ago, the handbook of Bible application. 
the handbook of Bible uh, application. We looked up the entry for worry, which then they also uh, you know deal with anxiety, concern, and fear. They looked at Psalm 37, 1 through 11. So we looked at Psalm 37, 1 through 11, and uh, the idea of don't fret, don't fret yourself, okay? We looked at Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34. We looked at all the complications of that, and we were going to turn on the microphone and look at Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 9. Right, so we were going to do that. Maybe we'll get back to that. But we started looking at really just anxiety primarily because I wanted to to really kind of figure out is the cause of anxiety pride? We talked about anxiety disorder. We had lots of different conversations and discussions. Again, none of thing, none of nothing ever really flowed right. I don't feel like we ever, I ever hit any real rhythm with it. But I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, but saddened at the same time that a number of people emailed me talking about anxiety, anxiety disorder, stressors in their own life, worry. And it's like, you know what? Christians struggle with these things as well. I mean, it's just a reality. Christians struggle with this. And plenty of Christians have been diagnosed with anxiety disorder. And we, and, and we, I think we've, cl- I think it's very clear. And I think even Stephen Furtick would admit this, anxiety disorder is not necessarily caused by pride because anxiety disorder is linked to traumatic experiences you may be encountered as a child. It can be related to medical issues, not necessarily pride, but we still wanted to raise the question, does pride contribute to one's anxiety? Does pride make some of these issues worse, whether it's depression, discouragement, anxiety. And and we still have not really come to a definitive answer. None of you, I don't think, have emailed me to say, here's your, your perspective on it. I still want you to do that. But I, but I kept saying at some point we would get to the actual sermon by Stephen Furtick where he makes this claim that God told him the cause of anxiety is pride. But I wanted to try to look at it. And, and so I was, I thought we would be end up looking at pride, but instead we started looking at anxiety and some of these passages about anxiety. Well, to be honest, I don't know if they really helped or they only led to more anxiety because it was a lot of you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to do this. And we begin to realize that many of these passages are law going to our law and gospel series. So I, I don't know if we've ever come to any definitive answers, but at least we tried to start the conversation. So I decided today, I didn't even know if I was going to broadcast today because I, I, I felt that I spent a lot of time working yesterday. So I was going to possibly just rest a little bit today, but I never really can because, well, then I start having anxiety about the fact that I'm not doing any broadcast. And so, yeah, then it becomes a whole big deal. Once once again, a little anxiety. So I thought, you know what? I'll at least come up here to the studio where it's 175 degrees currently. And I'll turn on the microphone and we'll just start working on this sermon by Stephen Furtick. Now, obviously, we're not going to agree with everything obviously. But this is the sermon that led to the TikTok video that led to the entire discussion. Okay, well, a roundabout way, it was pride that led to the discussion. And then this video led to a discussion about pride and anxiety. So let's just go to the sermon and we'll work through it. All right. And yes, we're going to listen to what he has to say about anxiety. We'll see how biblical it is or not biblical. But obviously, when we do sermon reviews, we look at everything. 
from how the scriptures are being handled, preaching style. We just have, we just, I mean, we do a lot of critique, analysis, and, and typically, sometimes it's fun, <laughs> sometimes it's not. Now, remember the rules here, ladies and gentlemen. I don't, I don't listen to the sermon first. We listen to it in real time. This is supposed to capture the idea that we're sitting down together and you're like, hey, let's listen to this sermon. I'm like, okay, let's listen. And we we hit pause and we talk about it. We hit play, we hit pause, we talk about it, which is my favorite way of doing this. Now, the only problem is we don't really, I don't, I don't know in advance what direction it's going and I don't know where it's going to end. So sometimes it ends and it just kind of like, well, that was it. And it, I don't even really know what to say, but it's always an adventure. I hope, and I like the mystery of it and hopefully it will be beneficial. Now, this is a today's focus podcast episode, meaning it's supposed to only be 15 minutes long. That's what this was series was designed for. I'm yet to come close to fulfilling that vision. I don't know why I can't pull that off as a lack of discipline on my part and just not being able to stick to it. I need to get better at it, but um, the goal here is to give you one thing to focus on. So let's do a little bit of focusing in on what Stephen Furtick had to say in regards to anxiety, where a part of this sermon now has been used, at least maybe more than one TikTok video, criticizing it uh, severely. Um, but it was preached about six years ago. It's been viewed by over like six million people. So a lot of people have seen this. And a lot of people probably walked away going, here's the answer to my anxiety. To, so does Stephen Furtick has, does he have, does he have God's answer to our anxiety? And if it is, well, then it's God's. And if it's not from God, then what is this? I don't know. Let's see. Are you ready? Here we go. Stephen Furtick, six years ago, when anxiety attacks, what's the answer when anxiety attacks? And what's the cause of it? Is it your pride? Well, let's see. Now, Stephen Furtick is going to claim divine revelation. He's going to claim God told him specifically the answer. And uh, you can determine what I already reject his answer just on that premise alone. But okay, let's uh, let's see what we find. Here we go. Now, I know this message is for somebody because the devil was fighting me to be able to deliver it. Oh boy, we're off to a rough start. I'm going to back that up. Listen to this again. Oh boy, I, I, I know this is common language from pastors and Sunday school teachers and all kinds of people within Christianity. I believe it's nothing more than pure spiritual manipulation, but let's listen to it again. Now, I know this message is for somebody because the devil was fighting me to be able to deliver it. So let's go forward together now. All right. I know this message is for someone because the devil was fighting me. So now there's, a, there's so much here to consider. Okay. First of all, let's just establish some basic facts. Satan is not omnipresent. He's not in all places at all times. So are you telling me that the Satan, of all the places he could be, of all the things he could do, he was like, hey, guys, 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 we've got to get to Stephen Furtick. He's about to preach a message on anxiety. We've got to stop it. 
Now, how did, why wasn't he not able to stop you? Because you, Stephen Furtick, were more powerful than Satan? Or did God stop him? And if God was going to stop him from stopping you, why did God didn't even let Satan show up to try to stop it? I don't even know how it works. But you just understand the psychologically what you're telling people. Hey, guys, I'm getting ready to preach a message to you. And this message is so true. This message is so right. This message is so biblical. This message is so godly. Satan himself tried to stop it. Now, who can criticize a message like that? Can you criticize a sermon that is supposedly so of God, Satan himself tried to stop it? So now if you criticize it, guess whose side you're on? You're on Satan's side. What a, what such spiritual manipulation this is. This, and I've heard pastors say this all the time. Oh, I felt Satan trying to stop me from preaching this sermon. And now you've just now given everyone notice. Hey, if you criticize this sermon, you're on Satan's side. So you better tell me it's great. You better tell me it's wonderful. You better tell me how biblical it was. You better tell me how great I am for not, oh, being stopped by Satan. Because if you don't, you're on Satan's side. It's ridiculous. It's manipulative and you should not fall for it. And and again, I know many Christians just adopt language without ever thinking of the ramifications. And then sometimes I'm cynical and think they have to know what they're doing. I don't know the case, so I'm not going to make any accusation of motive. But it's manipulative, whether intentional or unintentional. And, And I don't appreciate it at all. But here we go. Let's back it up. And again, how do you know when Satan's trying to stop your sermon? How do you know? How do you know when it's Satan trying to stop you? Because you're, you had struggle preparing. You, you couldn't figure out what to say. And oh, Satan, was, was Satan trying? Like, I don't even know. All right, well, let, let's listen to this again and then we'll let it play forward. Now, I know this message is for somebody because the devil was fighting me to be able to deliver it. So let's go forward together now into the word of God. Peter has an instruction here. He says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Everybody over 50, say amen. Amen. All the parents say amen. Amen. This is your verse. Peter's a little older now. He's got that, he's got that, that senior citizen discount swag going on in this letter that he's writing. He's got that AARP swag. Amen. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that you're not the only one going through something. 
The family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Touch somebody, say, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. You're not crazy. It's a battle we all must fight. Some fears we all must face. Some things we all must go through. And we're in this together. Amen. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast to him. Be the power forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And let the church say amen. Okay, first, he didn't give us the reference, but if you didn't know, it's 1 Peter chapter 5. It took me a second to find it. It's 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 11. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 11. That's the text that you can look and we'll see how he's going to handle it. I, I, I don't like, I, look, I've already think the first part is manipulative where he does the whole Satan tried to stop me. I think that's manipulative. And then you can just ask yourself how you feel with the music playing as it reads the scripture and the music increases, it crescendos, it, dis, it, it lowers, it goes up and down, following kind of the emotion of the reading and then the crowd. I, do you, is that manipulative to you? I don't know. I don't know. Does it make for good audio presentation? Probably does. Is he now some people don't think he's a good speaker. I think he's very well-spoken. He's got good inflection. He adds emotion, throws in a little bit of humor. Now, you may think sometimes he tries to be a little too cool, a little too hip, but you, that, that, can be, that can be just personal preference. But I think from a, typically the way you would judge speaking ability, he would, be, he would meet the criteria of being considered a good one. I think most people would say that. I think, I mean, if you do, I'm not saying that makes his theology, right? I disagree with his theology. I disagree with the handling of the scripture. I'm just trying to look at it from a, from a, from all the different perspectives because, you know, he, he's got one of the number one podcasts out there. I mean, compare his numbers uh, for his podcast to our numbers. It's not even in the same strata. It's not in the same universe, same atmosphere, same anything. I mean, it's crazy. He's in the top like zero 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 one percent. I mean, like he he is so far up there. And and uh, and this podcast against all podcasts, millions upon millions of people tune into him week after week after week after week. There's got to be a reason, right? So um, you can that entire presentation. You can you can tell me how you feel about it. Now let's let's see what he's going to do here. Amen. I want to speak to you for a few moments today on the subject, when anxiety attacks. What are you going to do when anxiety attacks? Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Thank you, worship team. Didn't they do good following my random little… Come on, didn't they do good following that little… We have the best musicians on the planet at Elevation Church, the best the best volunteers on the planet who do the technical stuff, the best cameramen on the planet. Watch these cameramen. Switch back and forth real quick. Go from the… Yeah. Just go back and forth a bunch of times. Just watch. Just watch this. Isn't that crazy? I will say this. It's absolutely true. If you… It, churches tend… There, there, there's a certain level a church can get to. Um, 
And the way they kind of move forward is having those kinds of people who will come in with their technical expertise. Many of them are volunteers, volunteering, helping with this, helping with that, or financial support. Like, like a lot of times these churches that are so huge, a lot of times people are like, well, why are they so big? It's usually the team of people, the people who give their life, their time, their money, their effort, their talent to helping the church, doing technical things, helping with the sound, helping with equipment, buying this, taking care of that, taking care. That's how things begin to elevate. You know, when you want a church that in many cases has, has, Humanly successful is that kind of church. You, I'm telling you, it's built on the back of people who give their lives to it. They sacrifice their time, their blood, their sweat, their tears to helping it. And uh, a lot of times, small churches don't have that kind of team. They don't have people helping out. They're not, they don't have people supporting them financially. They don't have a team of people saying, we'll take care of the technical part. We'll buy that equipment. We'll do this. We'll do that. Um, that that's what it requires. And, and unfortunately, some the bigger church t- typically has more resources, more people available to help out. Many small churches don't have the money. They don't have the people. They don't have the resources. So they continue. There's only so much they can do. There's only so much you can do when you've got money and you've got resources, then you can utilize all of those, all the things out there in order to reach more people and get your name out there. And then it's, and I I hate to say it from a human perspective, it's more like if you can build it, they will come, but you've got to let people know you're out there. So you've got to have a bigger sign. You've got to have this, you've got to have that. Um, uh, and maybe better salespeople. That may be a part of it as well. But if you got a team, you got a team, you have a team, you have a team, you need that team. You need that team of people like, oh, they're going to take care of this. They're going to help with this. Okay. You can help with this. And you got everyone working together to benefit that ministry. You got to have everyone come pulling their resources for one goal, the betterment of that ministry, the betterment of that thing. And if everyone will work together, and then build it up, you have a greater chance of success. Now, if the team starts fighting and bickering and they become divided, then of course it's all going to fall apart. But you have to have that. So when he's sitting there, he he knows it, man. He knows the technical people taking care of things. He knows he's got those musicians. He knows he's got the camera people. He knows he's got the people uploading his podcast everywhere. He knows he's got people doing the graphics. He knows whatever they need, he's got. Now, they may be paying a lot of those people, but a lot of those people are volunteers, as he mentioned. A lot of the technical people are volunteers. I mean, that that's when you've got volunteers doing that, that means they're not getting paid, but they're benefiting the overall ministry. So a lot of times people get mad and they're like, why is Stephen Furtick one of the most popular Christian podcasts in the world? And why is his videos have over 6 million views? Because there's a team there. Now, Use your talent, use your resources to help whatever you think needs to be supported. Work, do everything you can to get it there. But I mean, that's a whole podcast in and of itself. Isn't that cool? They do all this stuff that you don't even know about behind the scenes to bless you so you can hear the word of God. I appreciate all our volunteers back in EKIS, the parking lot, all of our ushers ushering with excellence for the glory of God. Amen. I just feel grateful today for everybody.
Hey, my mom and I were texting this morning. We were talking about my memory and how I remember weird little things from my childhood. And she says that I remember some of them incorrectly, but one thing I know I remember was around age 16 at Monk's Corner United Methodist Church when Aunt Jackie, she wasn't really my aunt, but I called her Aunt Jackie because when I was a little boy, I used to go over to her house all the time and she let me watch Dukes of Hazard. And she pulled me aside because I had made a commitment to Jesus Christ as a 16 year old boy and she could see the passion and enthusiasm from my eyes and she had changed my diapers and she was at that age where you can say whatever you want to say, kind of like Peter was when he was telling the church there, the the, the people of God who were under persecution and under attack at the hands of the Emperor Nero. And Aunt Jackie pulled me aside and she was telling me some words of wisdom. She said that she believed that God had a plan for me and that God was going to use me and do something special for me. She said, I even told our, our um, committee, she was on the committee. Uh, the Methodist Church has a lot of committees, they have committees on committees. For God so loved the world that he did not send a committee. But Aunt Jackie was on all the committees and the flower committee and the chair committee. She said, I told the committee that you wouldn't be here much longer, that this was the church that you were raised in, but that God was going to use you for other things and we need to let you go when God calls you because he's going to use you and you're going to speak. And she was saying all these things to me. And I, again, I had been only a Christian for a short time, so I was encouraged by it. Then she shifted gears and she went into this real serious mode and she was like, but the devil. The devil doesn't like you. And he wants to use you as target practice. And bring you down as God is raising you up. So she told me, Don't this is the southern way to say first Peter five, six, which says, Humble yourself under God's mighty hand. She said, Don't get too big for your it's a Charlotte thing, you know, we're regional national church now, so I have to tell them, don't get too big for your britches. And keep yourself low so God can raise you up high. And she told me that because she said, The devil is after you. He does not like the passion that you have for God, and he's after you. And I'm glad she told me that second part. Okay. First, it's amazing how you can remember. When people in your life encouraged you and not discourage you, right? Those words, when someone, especially in your Christian life, when someone comes along and encourages you that you can do it, that now you don't have to come along and tell people what God supposedly is going to do for you because you don't know that, right? Because God only speaks to us through his word. But it's great to come along going, you know, hey, I see your passion. I see that fire and, 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 and say positive things. That is like a, a shot of adrenaline that I can't even, I can't even express what that is like, even as a pastor, because you, t you hear all the negative, 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 negative. I'm telling you the uh, many cases, the negative emails always far outnumber any positives, right? And, and, and when people, you know, if you're a pastor, you get the, I, I talk about it all the time. You get the phone call on Monday. It's almost – rarely do you get a call of encouragement. Rarely. Someone's going to be like, oh, that was a great sermon. I learned – no, 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 no. It's going to be like, I didn't like this. I don't like this. Why do we do this? Blah, 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 blah. It's always something negative. Rarely encouragement. And sometimes I think if church members would ever catch on, if you used encouragement 
You have a far greater chance of influencing the direction of the church than you do in using complaint and discouragement. A little bit of encouragement, a little bit of letting the pastor know you're on their side and you're trying to help. They have a greater tendency to be influenced by you. They have a greater chance of hearing what you have to say. But when it's complaint and discouragement and, 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 and never even bothering to consider, Hey, how are you doing? You doing okay? No, 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 no. It's, it's because you got to get what you want. You got to get what you want. I, I hate to say it. If you want to be completely manipulative, Use positive things. You can manipulate people far better by being more positive and encouraging because they'll be more likely to listen to you. I, I hate to say that, but, but it's just amazing that at 16, he had someone encouraging him that way. That is amazing. And that is awesome. And I wish every Christian we had people to encourage us. Right. I think that's important. Next. Now you've got to be really careful here and you got to hear me out because I don't want to sound completely heretical here. I do understand Satan is a real spiritual being. I'm very aware that the scriptures state, and if I can find it right here, verse 8, 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I believe Satan is a real spiritual being. I believe he is walking about seeking whom he may devour. I believe he is active, and I believe he has power. I also believe that he's limited in what he can and can't do to the child of God, as we see in the book of Job. He can, he can only do something that God allowed him to do. So that's first and foremost. And not only that, I know Satan is not omnipresent. He can't be all places in all times. So every time Christians love to say, Satan was doing this, Satan was doing this. So Satan is just hanging out at your house? Like, he... What makes you so special that you think the Satan, the, the great fallen angel is spending time with you? He can only be in one place at one time. So you gotta, you gotta make sure we, 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 we say things in a doctrinally correct way. All right. Um, so, and good, good question. Can he devour Christians? Well, I guess it depends on what we mean by devour, right? He obviously can have great negative impact on us. He can great bring great damage and destruction. He cannot devour our eternal salvation. We know that much. But even if he can do any, whatever devouring, we would have to understand what that meant. We do know this. He's got to be, he's limited in what he can do because God's the one ultimately sovereign because in Job's life, whatever Satan did is because God allowed him to do it. So, so there's still a limit, whatever that devouring is. We know he can't touch your salvation, whatever else he may do. We know, we know that we, we know he can't possess us because, well, we're already supposedly indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So I don't see how Satan can move in where the Holy Spirit's already indwelling. That would not make any sense. So there's a limit there, but here's what I, my concern is. Christians always love to look for the external threat. Satan's out to get you. Satan's out to destroy. Satan will bring you down. Satan, 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 Satan. Let me just always remind you, the spiritual battle does not, the front lines of the spiritual battle are not external. The front line of the spiritual battle is internal. The thing you have to be most concerned with is your own sinful nature. Your own sinful flesh. Satan's effectiveness is usually dependent upon the sinful nature inside of you. That's what he utilizes. 
So because Satan can't be everywhere at once, he can use the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He can use the world system to appeal and appease to that sinful nature, which then makes us walk, walks us into situations where we can be figuratively speaking, metaphorically speaking, devoured or suffer or destroy and be broken. But it's because of what's inside of it. The real issue is inside of me, not outside of me. Now, a lot of times the focus is on Satan, 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 Satan. I would start with me, 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 me. Now, Satan will utilize the me to his advantage and strategically in a spiritual battle. But just remember, God is still the one controlling that. So how this all plays out, I don't think anyone has a good roadmap of it. But I think I, I guarantee you, here's something that's with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it's always present. Your sinful nature. Here is something that is not omnipresent and not with you 24-7, and that is Satan. So which is the greatest, greatest threat, Satan, or that which is with you and inside of you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it's always working? That is your sinful nature. That's what I, how I would stress this. He's putting it on the external. I understand because of the text that he's in. I understand why he's putting on it on the external, but I think if he's going to put it on the external, at least deal with some of the limitations this external threat has because they have serious, they have very specific limitations. All right. I think that's very important. Because I don't know if a lot of Christians get told that second part. And so I thought I would join in with Peter who said, your enemy, the devil, Roars like a lion, looking for someone he can eat alive, looking for a family he can tear apart, looking for a future he can ruin before it even has a chance to get started, looking for a church he can divide, looking for a nation he can divide, looking for an addiction he can plant in the heart of a 14-year-old so that they'll never live a normal adult life. The devil is busy. The devil is active, she told me. And the, and the interesting thing about it is she was saying that to me, I think, because she thought God was calling me to preach. But you don't have to be a preacher to have a bullseye on your back. In fact, I want you to write something down for me. If you care anything at all about your future, your family, or your faith, write this down. The birthmark of a believer is a bullseye. Peter is here to teach us that we are born again into a living hope. But as you are born into a living hope, you are also born into an eternal struggle and a very real battle. The day that you become one with Christ, the enemy… Now, I want, I want to be careful here because this is what we do sometimes. We get way too carried away about all the stuff that the devil does. You know, someone will say, "Well, I'm, I'm just been under it." I, I, let me get my white girl voice on. I, I just been under attack lately. <laughs> so like lately, I just feel like the devil's been attacking me and so much, and it's just like so bad. It's like my mom and my dad and everybody, like my teachers and everything, <laughs> and like my my iPhone. I was charging it the other day, and, and I've charged. It. I know I charged it overnight, but then I woke up and it was dead. And it's just the devil is in my eye. No, it was your charger. It wasn't the devil. 
Okay, that's actually pretty funny. That's actually pretty funny. It is true. We'll blame everything on the devil. It is true. I've seen churches do that, right? Something will go wrong with the sound equipment. Satan. I mean, I've seen podcasters do that because something goes wrong. Satan really doesn't want us to get this episode. Just stop it. It's called technical issues, internet issues, electrical issues, human issues. We. It's not always the devil. So that's that. I, his humor there was pretty funny. I, I'm sorry. I laughed. I laughed. I know a lot of people say he's he he makes a mockery over preaching because he uses too much humor. Okay, all right, I understand. But I thought that was funny. I think and I'm glad that he's pulling back a little bit. Hey, sometimes we can take this too far. Well, okay, that's hey man, that if he adds some limitations here, that's good. That's good. That's good. I, I'm hoping he adds a little bit more here. And he talks about Satan is not omnipresent. Satan is not all powerful. Satan is limited by the creator of the universe, by God. And clearly in the book of Job, Satan could not do anything. Oh, well, true, true. Uh, but he said Satan didn't want him to preach the sermon. Right. So then he came back and then put Satan. That is a good, very good point. Okay. Very, very good point. That's a good point. He did say that. So like he, I'm, I'm glad that he's kind of pulling back here, but you're right. He started the whole thing off by saying, Hey, Satan didn't want me to preach the sermon. But see, I think that's where I feel like that that whole thing was manipulative. I think that whether it's intentional or it's, it's conscious or subconscious, I, I, preachers have a way of, of manipulating people so that you really can't say anything about their sermon, right? God told me this. Well, you can't criticize that. Satan wants to stop, wanted to stop the sermon. How can you criticize the sermon? So I, so I think that was more manipulative, but you're right. Now, so, so wait a minute, what, what can Satan do or not do? He, if, if, if your I, if you woke up and your phone's not charged and you blame Satan for that, is that any more ridiculous than you saying God didn't, Satan wanted to try to stop you from preaching the sermon? I mean, is it, you can say, well, one's a sermon, one's the phone. Well, maybe they need the phone for something very important, right? So I don't know. All right, Let, let's, let's see where he takes this. People on my job, they, they just hate me because I'm a Christian. I'm just under attack. My boss doesn't like me. I'm just under attack right now. No, you're, you're not under attack. You're underperforming. Your boss doesn't like you because you're not doing a very good job. Come in, sir, with the paycheck that they have entrusted to you. Okay, someone just asked a question. Couldn't Satan affect things before planting seeds inside of us? I don't know if he plants seeds inside of us. See, now there I don't know if I agree with that language. What's inside of us is our sinful nature. Satan doesn't plant that there. We are conceived in sin and born with that nature. Satan utilizes that nature by putting things externally in front of us, around us, in the world system, right? So in other words, Satan doesn't even have to show up to you. He can just put in the world system things that appeal to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life because we have a sinful nature. We are drawn to that. It's like, you know, one of those bug zappers, right? The bugs are drawn to that light and they come flying in, zip, zip. Zip, right? They get, uh, they get, well, shocked and killed, right? Satan just puts the bug light there and then we're, we come, we're drawn to it. We're drawn to it because of what's inside of us. Satan doesn't have to put anything inside of us. We already have the wrong things inside of us. And I don't know how much power, I don't think Satan can really do anything inside of a believer because the believer is indwelt with the Holy Spirit. So I don't think Satan has any power inside of us. I think it's external, all right? 
Um, now he may have said that earlier. Now he may have said that earlier. I'm just saying that I'm, I would not go with that. If he's saying Satan can do something inside of us, yeah, then I would, I would strongly disagree. That, and again, so if he's getting ready to limit Satan's power, let's see how far he limits it because he may have, he may be, this may be a situation where he's contradicting himself dramatically. Like on one hand, he's kind of given Satan more power. Now he's going to try to take it back. Let's see how far he limits this or if he even uh, clarifies. But yet there are those times and there are those seasons where you just get a sense that I feel like I'm under attack. And it's something only Christians say. It's not something you would say if you didn't believe in God because you wouldn't believe in the devil. So you would just say everything's falling apart or whatever. But um, do you remember when President Bush was reading to the elementary school class? And there's a famous picture of his chief of staff having to go up to him while he's reading a, a book and say to the president, the second plane hit the second tower on 9 11. And he said, America is under attack. And he told the president that according to his account and his record after the fact. He said, America is under attack. Now, Peter is walking up to a church under attack and speaking to them on a personal level. I want you to know that you're under attack. Not just the preacher, because people will come up to me all the time and say, I'm praying for you, preacher. I know the devil wants to take you out. Well, he look right back at him and say, "Well, I'm going to pray for you too. Write your name down." Cuz he'll take whoever he can get. He's after construction workers and sophomores in high school and stay-at-home moms and attorneys prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I wonder is it you? I wonder is it you he's been after? with thoughts that repeat themselves over and over again in your mind. Okay, now this okay, this is going in a completely different direction than I thought because this is about anxiety attacks. It's really when Satan attacks, all right? Now, this is it's interesting because we've I've been possibly I don't know, still we got so many other things we need to do. But where is it? I got the book Oh, right here. Remember, I purchased this book just basically because Amazon said, hey, you bought this book. You should get this book and we'll give it to you for a discount. So it's called Spiritual Warfare and the Storyline of Scripture, a Biblical, Theological, and Practical Approach. And remember, we've been using some of this um, for some de devotional messages. So maybe we'll work on this a little bit more. I think it could be very beneficial because this is now raising. See, now see, I told you this whole journey has been so weird. It started with pride. Then it moved to anxiety. Then it was pride and anxiety. And then, and then it was like, we've been all over the place with this. I told you this whole thing has not kind of flown. Very, it's not, there's no flow or rhythm to it. And now it's kind of getting on. We're going in a different direction now, but I'm just trying to let it take me wherever this takes us. Now, here's a good question. I mean, this is like, this is a today's focus episode. So this is perfect. I want you to focus on what can Satan actually do to a believer? Can he place thoughts in your mind? Can he place feelings or desires in your emotions? Can he put thoughts in your mind, desires and feelings in your emotions? 
What can Satan do inside of you? How much access does Satan have to your mind and to... Now, again, to me, it's always confusing to me because Satan doesn't need to put a thought in my mind because my mind has already got a... My my self has a sinful nature. Uh, Okay, then, all right, someone here just said uh, in, in the chat, I really have no Satan theology other than, okay... So he's not omnipresent and not actually in charge, but uh, but I'm so lost on Satan. Can he do those things? I don't know. Or demons do it? No idea. All right. So someone doesn't have an idea. That's good. I I, I don't know. Look, I know what your standard. Like I think what happens here is you get these really conflicting messages a lot of times in church because sometimes they make it sound like Satan literally is just like boom, putting a thought in your brain, putting this in your, and so then. So then everything is Satan's fault. Oh, the reason I'm thinking this is because of Satan. Because the reason I'm feeling this is because of Satan. The reason I have this desire, and I'm here to say, no, no, no. The reason you're thinking that, the reason you're feeling that, and the reason you're desiring that is because you have a sinful nature. That Satan just holds out the, the thing, and then your desire goes after it. Now, in unbelievers, I don't know, in unbelievers, you could possibly make a claim because unbelievers are the children of the devil. He owns them. He owns them. But once again, what does Satan need to do to an unbeliever? They're already depraved. See, everyone wants to try to... To me, I've always found it odd that that, that we so focus on what Satan could do inside of us because, look, Satan can't do any, can't do anything inside of me worse than what's already inside of me, which is a totally sinful nature. That nature hates God. That nature does not want God. That nature does not desire God. That nature is about the worship of self and the exaltation of self. What can Satan do worse than the depravity I already have in me? To me, Satan operates primarily, I'm going to say solely exterior to us and just places things there in the world system that we are drawn to. Now, obviously, he could possess an unbeliever. That's true. So maybe he has more control of it there. But I just, I just, it it seems so many times that people give the power, they give the power of our depravity to Satan and takes away the responsibility of of what's inside of us. Let's see where he goes and we'll have to wrap this up. It was only supposed to be a short episode, but here we go. These, these reviews can take forever and we're stumbling upon like a whole new system of thought here that we may need to pursue. My thoughts of worthlessness or thoughts of, Anxiety. This seems to be Peter's primary focus is that the attack of the enemy often manifests itself in an overwhelming sense of anxiety. I know this is the manifestation of the attack, for if it were not the manifestation of the attack, Peter would not singularly lift it in verse 7 as the focal point of his admonition to the church under attack. I feel like teaching today. Are you ready to learn? Give me about 30 minutes because you're under attack and there's some things you need to know about this attack. The good news is… Okay, we'll stop right there because it's kind of a good transition period. So, 
I'm going to grab my pencil, 32, 3206. It has the minus sign in front of it. Minus 3206. That's what it shows on my software. That's where we stop. Now, the weird thing is the next time I try to find it, it won't be at 3206, but hopefully it will. I'll try to keep it paused. So what we want to stop with is really, I guess, now he's saying that Satan is the one who causes, Satan is the one who causes your anxiety. Now, later in the sermon, he's going to say God revealed to him that it's pride. So is it Satan? Is it pride? What's causing your anxiety? Is Satan the one that gives you those feelings of un- uh, that you're unworthy? Is Satan is the one give you those those feelings and thoughts of of a depression or discouragement? Is it God? Is it I'm sorry? Is it Satan the one giving you these thoughts? Is it Satan doing this? And if Satan's the one giving you these thoughts, then why isn't God giving you better thoughts to overcome the worst thoughts? If Satan's the one giving you the thoughts and then and giving you the desire, right? Oh man, Satan's giving me a desire to do this and Satan's giving me these thoughts of unworthiness or, or hating myself or suicidal thoughts or whatever the case may be. If Satan's the one giving you the bad ones, couldn't God fix that on, I don't know, 2.3 seconds and just say, boom, the bad thoughts are gone. Here are good thoughts. You are worthy. You are okay. You are not depressed. So like this just raises more convoluted questions to me. Satan can put the thoughts there. Well, what, God's supposedly indwelling me. <laughs> so why, if God is the one indwelling me, then how can Satan come along and go, hey, Holy Spirit, I know you're in there, but I just need you to step over because I'm going to put a little bit of anxiety inside of this Christian. I'm going to put a little bit of discouragement inside of this Christian. I'm going to put a little bit of this inside. Well, does Satan need to put any of those things in me since I already have a sinful nature? And if I already have a sinful nature... Then what is the Holy Spirit doing inside of me? These are questions that nobody has ever come up with any suitable answer. They're all over the place and they're convoluted and they're confusing. But we have to be willing to at least acknowledge the struggle here. All right. Uh, well, then someone says, well, I mean, God could have not let the servant, uh, the serpent talk to Eve. Yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously. He could have stopped it right there. He could have stopped it immediately. I, I always say that the, all of my problems go back to Genesis 1-1. That's where all my problems began. I don't understand Genesis 1-1 and light of everything that's going to happen after it. I makes no, if the, if, if the God creating is all powerful and all knowing, why is he going to create knowing exactly what's getting ready to happen? It is extremely confusing. And I'm very much willing to admit that. I know when I admit that other Christians get mad, they bow up. They think they got to give me a little answer. They give me a little apologetic bumper sticker answer thinking, see, I've solved the problem. The problem is not solvable on this side of heaven. All we can do is try to understand what the scriptures say, right? So I know God is sovereign. I know Satan exists. I know Satan roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But I don't know if we have anything in Scripture. This is what I would challenge you to do. I want you to look in Scripture and see what Scriptures show Satan actually doing to people. I want you to find all the Scriptures that show Satan doing something. Does it say he puts thoughts inside of people? Does it say he puts desires inside of people? And if he does, is it a believer or an unbeliever? There you go. I mean, that's a good way. That's a good way to get started, right? 
We know he roams about seeking whom he may devour, but that's external. That's an external thing, seeking to attack, right? Seeking to, to attack me. Now, and, and again, we have to acknowledge whatever Satan can do in me, I don't know, would, could that be any worse than what's already inside of me, which is a depraved, depraved nature? All right, that's my Bible. That's my Bible. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking out loud. Yeah, he obviously tried stuff with Christ externally. Obviously, he couldn't do anything. He couldn't do anything to Christ internally. Obviously not. There's no way. I mean, Jesus was true God and true man. So clearly it was an external temptation. Here's roaming about seeking whom he may devour. Doesn't say that he's putting these thoughts inside of now. Now, Stephen Furtick seems to imply, see, because he's talking about worry or, or anxiety or, or these kind, that's what Satan is putting inside of these people. But is Satan putting this inside of people or are there circumstances creating this feeling of anxiety and worry because they're suffering under Nero? And then Satan is going to utilize what these circumstances has placed inside of them. And then because of their own sinful nature, they may respond to these circumstances in a negative way. And then Satan will utilize that to ultimately destroy them. But it's more of an external work. The internal work is based on the sinful nature and the feelings that these external circumstances are producing. All right, I'll stop right there. There's so much more I, I could say, but I'll stop right there. All right, there you go. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Why did I not label this part one? I have no idea. I just labeled it uh, anxiety attacks. So now I have to go fix it, anxiety attacks part one, and then we'll get to part two. I don't think I'm going to do anything else tonight. I don't think so. But if I do, I'm going to try not to. I'm going to try just to take the rest of the day off, I think. Um, And then maybe tomorrow we can get to it and get a a bunch done. All right. Maybe we can can do kind of, uh, I don't know. I'm still going to try to keep these. I mean, I don't know. Is 54 minutes short? I don't know. Well, for a typical sermon review, they go about an hour and a half. So I guess it is short. But we will see. All right. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Thank you for tuning in. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, well, now you got plenty to think about and struggle with and have good conversations about. So go think, go focus, go have a good conversation. And then, uh, well, you know, email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Someone just said, relax, uh, relax. And uh, e- uh, ease your, anxi- uh, see, your anxiety. All right, I'm reading it from a distance there. Okay. All right. Thank you. I greatly appreciate that. All right. Everyone have a great day. And Oh, wait, 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 wait. I almost did it again. See, I'm, I'm missing my cool outro. See, I'm so used to most of the time we don't have an outro music. We don't, right? So I don't play anything. I just say thank you and I turn off the microphone, which we really need to create an outro music. We really do. We need an outro. I need, I need a, I have to pay money. We have our voiceover for our intro. We need our voiceover for an outro, right? We do. And, and with some music, but, but when we do today's focus, I play the intro music as the outro music. So this has been your today's focus for Thursday, August the 3rd, 2023.